Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Uh, we got a good one for you today. Uh, today I am joined by <clears throat> Nathan Parrish, and Nathan is the co-founder and co-owner of 2% Certified Brand Grizzly Fish. Uh, Grizzly Fish is a lifestyle apparel brand uh, based out of Montana, and <clears throat> Nathan and I kind of kick things off really talking about what Grizzly Fish is, what they offer, you know, why they kind of uh, why he and uh, his business partner, which is actually his father, uh, why they started the business. And <clears throat> from there, we really kind of take a dive into um, really Nathan's journey to get to where he's at now, um, which I thought was just uh, the coolest story. Um, just kind of the, the Cliff Notes version. Um, Nathan gets into it in quite a bit more detail here, but uh, at a young age, started off working in restaurants, um, became a line cook, uh, became super passionate, immersed himself in kind of the culinary world, traveled around the world working in different, very high-end uh, restaurants, um, and by the age of 21, just became burned out, uh, which is crazy to think about that at 21, you're you're burned out from anything, uh, but I suppose when you started at a young age and the high stress, high pressure uh, environment of um, being in the culinary industry uh, just wore on him. Um, and from there, he kind of had an idea, um, got involved into fly fishing, um, and uh, essentially used um, his abilities um, in the culinary world and kind of parlayed that into. Uh, becoming a guide at a ranch um, in Montana. Uh, and then from there, just, you know, wanted, um, he wanted a way to to give back to conservation. He wanted, um, you know, to, to, give con- to help give conservation uh, a louder voice, um, knowing that it was um, sorely needed in this day and age. And along comes grizzly fish. So he talks about, you know, why, you know, conservation and, and, you know, what he does, why all of that is so important to him. And it, it's really just, it's a super cool story. I'm not going to try to to give you too much detail here because I think you guys are going to really um, enjoy this one. So I will stop talking. I will let you listen to Nathan. So episode 85, Nathan Parrish, uh, enjoy. Uh, before that, want to take a minute to tell you about our friends over at Stone Glacier. Uh, if you have not by now, please be sure to download the Stone Glacier app. Head to uh, iTunes or Google Play, whichever device you're using. Uh, download that. Stay up to date. Um, since the beginning of the year, uh, Stone Glacier has dropped some uh, two new packs and a ton of new um, technical apparel. Uh, they've got some base layers, some mid layers. Um, 
just a, a ton of cool stuff. And if you if you haven't already, um, whether it's a pack or, or some of their technical apparel, uh, definitely be sure to give them a try. So head over to StoneGlacier.com. All right, with me today, I have the co-owner and co-founder of 2% Certified Grizzly Fish, Nathan Parrish. Nathan, how are you today, man? I'm good. How you doing, Marcus? I'm doing well, thanks. I know <clears throat> this... Uh, it feels like January is always one of those months that, depending upon what you do, where you live, it's always uh, kind of slow uh, or it can be super busy as well. Um, I know we just kind of talked about offline that this is kind of a, a month where you're um, you're off of work, kind of ramping up for the spring and, and the summer and things like that. So, no, I'm glad we were able to make some time, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for this. This is going to be great. Yeah, I always... I always kind of look forward to um, speaking with guests who have a business uh, really that's that's very similar to what the average conservationist is. Uh, you know, I like to find out, you know, why they're doing it, kind of what their process looked like. And, you know, in the back of my mind the whole time, I'm kind of thinking like how it was similar or different to mine. Um, and, and Grizzly Fish is, is certainly one that um, shares a lot of similarities with the average conservationist. So let's just kind of jump right into it. Tell me about Grizzly Fish, what it is, what you guys do, all that good stuff. Yeah. So Grizzly Fish is a lifestyle apparel company that really focuses on the community of conservation and people who like to hunt and fish is kind of what we do and what connects us to the outdoors. But that doesn't, we don't like to exclude people just because they don't hunt and fish. Basically, if you like going outside um, and you have an appreciation for the outdoors, and you care about trying to protect that. And that's the kind of people that we cater towards and want to connect with. Um, so we make, we make t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, stuff like that. Um, and basically the premise behind our product line, our thinking behind it is, would we want to wear it? Um, do we wear it? Which we do. And would other people want to wear it? That kind of starts with spending a lot of time making sure that the garments that we order to print our stuff on is comfortable and that we like it. And could you go for a hike in it? And could you also wear it to just around town if you want to kind of stroll in the summertime in a t-shirt? Um, and then the designs we put on it are supposed to be thoughtful. Um, and I actually kind of speak to something where somebody who does like to go outside can look at it, kind of say like, Oh, I like that design. Like I, I just want to wear that design. Um, and then beyond that, you know, obviously we, we care about conservation. So we partner with, Trout Unlimited Montana, um, Wild Steelhead Coalition, and then Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, which is just, those are kind of three organizations that we really believe in um, and just really like what they do and just want to support them a little bit more than on just a personal level. Yeah, <clears throat> I feel kind of talking about when you were explaining, you know, what kind of goes into or what went into the idea behind the brand and you start talking about, you know, like our generation of of people we i feel like we like things a certain way t-shirts is one of those uh in particular and i feel like as our generation is kind of moving through or to the forefront of the outdoors and our voices and just kind of who is i guess kind of outwardly representing hunting uh whether that's good or that's bad i mean it's just kind of the way it is especially with social media um the things that you mentioned right like the garment, right? Like having like a t-shirt, like something that's soft, that's like, that fits you well. That's not like super boxy. Like it almost has like that vintage kind of warning feel like from the moment you open it up. Right. And, mm -hmm. and then also like the design because, <clears throat> and you know, like looking through grizzly fish, like looking at some of your stuff, like I feel like we have like very similar, um, I guess ideas or concepts when it comes to design. Um, kind of like a, a less is more like the the illustration or the design kind of speaks volumes you don't need a bunch of like flashy things and, and you know all this like crazy writing and all this stuff right like you you come up with a good design and it like you said it speaks to uh, essentially the people that you're trying to you know sell these these shirts to and, and these goods to that they go yeah like that's the type of stuff I'd want to wear yeah um a hundred percent agree with that. It's, it's, you know, our designs are simple. Our stuff is all pretty simple. And what I always say about simple things is they're easy to do right. And they're really easy to do wrong. 
Um, <laughs> and so it's kind of one of those things where it's, it goes one way or the other. And it's not like, you know, if you've got like a crazy t-shirt that just has, and it goes beyond a t-shirt too. It's just kind of like even a crazy um, mission as a company. If you're trying to do a whole bunch of stuff, it's really easy to wow people and kind of distract people with how much is going on. But then at the end of the day, if something is done well and it's simple, then it's just like no frills. You look at it, you know what you're going to get. Um, and then either you like it or you don't. And I kind of, I just really appreciate kind of things that are simple but done well. Yeah, I kind of, <clears throat> when you when you kind of put it, when you frame it like that, I think of it as like eating a piece of, like cooking a steak, right? Like you don't need the the onions and the mushrooms and the sauce and all this stuff. You need you need to season it and cook it well, and that's it. And it seems very simple, uh, just in general, like the like oh, I'm just going to cook this steak to whatever you like it cooked to, and that's it. But it oftentimes misses the mark. And yeah, being simple, you can do it really well, or it's it's easy to do well and it's easy to do bad as well. That's a that's a very good way to look at things. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I actually um, so I worked at a in kitchens as a chef for about eight years before I had the, the job that I do now as a, as a guide. Um, and I guess that that kind of way of thinking was kind of drilled into me a little bit because everywhere that I worked, we never really did. I worked at like some pretty high end restaurants that did some pretty elevated food. Um, but it, we never really did like the crazy stuff. Like it'd be like one perfect piece of fish with a couple of things on top. And like, that was it. And so it was like, it was pretty easy to tell whether you nailed it or messed it up. And it was one or the other. Um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of that same philosophy that I take into grizzly fish. So I'm going to come back to your previous line of work. But so the idea for grizzly fish, where did that come from? I mean, how did you know, how did you come up with the idea? Um, so as far as like having something beyond what I did for work, um, cause for years and years that was, it was just being a line cook. Um, and then it was just being a guide, which, you know, you don't make an incredible amount of money doing either of those things. Um, I mean, you get by just fine, but there's definitely a little bit room for a little bit more income there. Sure. Um, and so I kind of always wanted, like, I always wanted to do something just a little bit more, like go home and kind of be engaged in my own thing and not just like go home and get ready for my next shift and then kind of fall into that rut. Um, and this was something that's kind of been on the back burner in the back of my mind, but I never knew what it was for like three or four years. And I was just kind of like, and then, you know, I'd like go online and be like, I don't want to do any of these things that people say you can do for extra income. Um, and honestly, I just, I knew one too many people who were just like me, didn't have any like real qualifications. Cause you, you know, you think of like, all right, I'm going to start a business. Like nobody tells you this. But you just kind of think they went somewhere and somebody told them they can do that. Or like they have a certification. That, like, no, if you start a business, it's just because you decided to start a business. Um, and there's a difference between people say, I'm going to go do that, and people who wait around for somebody to tell them they should. And so it just seemed like something that I had a handle on. Um, I, it, it seemed approachable to me. It seemed doable. And so I said, like, why not just do this? Um, because also with – with getting into the outdoors and really learning about conservation and how much conservation needs a voice right now. Um, I was like, well, that's perfect. I can make a company center it around conservation, cater towards people who care about this stuff as much as I do. Um, and just kind of boost that movement as much as I can. And I, I just felt like I would have much more of an impact having a company that was a part of that community as opposed to just being a single member of that community. Yeah, <clears throat> no, that's a, uh... That's a great reason and an approach to take to wanting to essentially make a difference, right? Because us as individuals, right? We can. There's only so much we can do. There's only so many places we can volunteer. So much time that we can do. Um, but when you create something like Grizzly Fish and you can bring other people in, um, you know, it helps spread the message. It, you know, maybe maybe there's people out there that are buying Grizzly Fish that. You know, maybe they just like camping or backpacking or hiking or whatever it is, and they've never really considered, you know, uh, the hunting or the angling side of things, right? But, you know, they come across grizzly fish, they like the mission, they like the gear that you're offering, and then, you know, they they start to do a little bit of, of their own homework and, 
maybe they seek out some friends who hunt or fish and they're like, hey, you know, maybe I'd like to give that a try. Right. So there's it's just kind of this expansion that can be created through something like this um and in the process you know raising money for conservation all the while uh it's 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 just a great um kind of um what's the word i'm looking for it's a great vehicle to use to to help um you know spread that voice that you mentioned yeah and and that's and that's absolutely how we tried to build the company was it was supposed to be Maybe you've never seen our stuff, but you hear about us, like word of mouth. And it's like, hey, this is what that company does. And just because of that, you're like, well, that's cool. I want to support that company and I want to be a part of that community. Or maybe you don't know anything about us and you see our stuff before you hear about us. And it's like, oh, well, that stuff looks cool and I want to wear that. And so it's kind of like it's supposed to be clothes that you want to wear that go to a cause that you want to support. And so it's kind of supposed to be like a double threat. Um, It's how we try to model the company. And that's absolutely true, what you said as far as, you know, you don't need to hunt and fish to to be a part of of who we are and to be a part of our community. You just need to like being outside. Um, and if you like being outside, then by all means, come hang out. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It, uh, <clears throat> where we, I tend to think of at least myself and I guess the, the group of people that I, you know, recreate with outdoor whether it's hunting or fishing i mean i like to do a ton of other stuff uh aside from those two things um outdoors yeah the more the merrier because it's uh i've i've said this uh repeatedly over the course of of the podcast is you know the the experience and the enjoyment that you get from being outdoors and um you know shooting your first animal catching your first fish um catching a fresh line uh, whether you're skiing or snowboarding, you know, hiking up to a peak and and taking in that view for the first time. I mean, you can't really put that that experience, those feelings, uh, into words. Um, so yeah, try to get as many people outside and and enjoy these these beautiful places. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, there's no reason to think necessarily that it needs protection or that it needs a voice. Um, the outdoors is what I'm talking about. Um, a lot of a lot of folks just think about it as like it's always been there. It's always going to be there the way that it is. And obviously, we everybody knows or not everybody knows, but it's not a uh, it's not exactly a secret that the outdoors is already very, very, very different than it was um, at any point in the past, really. So, like a lot of my guests and a lot of my clients that I get to take out um, as a fishing guide. Are, are never ever. They've never fly fished before. They've never caught a fish. They've never seen one in person, um, alive that is. And we go out, and so I get to I get to be there for a lot of people's first fish, um, which is it's just like the best moment, and I get to experience it all the time. Um, and a lot of folks are just like, "This is amazing! Like I've never never been outside. I've never been fishing like this. I've never gotten to experience this." And a lot of people don't even know that it's like, well it needs help. This river needs help because people want to take it and completely change it. You mentioned something there with the, the getting to experience that, you know, over and over again. And I mean, if you think about just your, your average outdoorsman, outdoors woman, whatever the case, how many times do they get to either? I mean, they get to personally experience that one time, that first fish or that first animal, but then, you know, being kind of on the outside looking in, like of being with someone who gets to experience that that first harvest, that first catch, whatever, what maybe a handful of times, if if you get enough people mm-hmm. out, you know, maybe a significant other, maybe your kids, um, but maybe a, a buddy or, or something like that. Like, but to be able to do that, you know, day in and day out as a guide, I mean, that's that's got to be like riding this high all the time, especially when you're with clients. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, you kind of get those, those like super pure ultra innocent first moments of of people kind of spending time outside. Yeah. It's really a cool thing to be a part of on a regular basis. So kind of going back to something you mentioned earlier, how was it that you go from being a line cook to a guide? Cause that seems like a pretty big jump. Um, it was a pretty big jump, (laughs) which, 
Yeah, so I, I, I was um I started washing dishes when I was fourteen. Um I was a freshman in high school. And then I just kind of got totally lost in the world of of, of, of kitchens, you know. Because it's kind of like there's rules, but there aren't. As long as you can keep up, it's like there's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of room to kind of just explore. Um, and there's just so much going on in kitchens. It's so stimulating. I just totally fell in love with it. I, like, put my head down, and I picked it up, like, six years later. Um, and I I got to travel quite a bit for cooking. Um, kind of bounced around throughout high school. And then right out of high school... Well, I spent my junior year of high school in Spain and then out of high school, I bounced back and forth from Seattle, um, which is where I'm from. I was born and raised in Seattle and Spain. And I kind of was able to bounce back and forth, picked up a couple of odd jobs in Paris. Um, and it was just like totally immersed in the world of, of fine dining and, and, and high end cooking. Um, and then it just kind of, I'd kind of been doing it. I was like 22 um, I guess I was just 21 and I've been doing this for like years and I was honestly starting to burn out just because kitchens are, they really are tough places to, to be. Um, they're tough places to, to kind of make it. It's kind of like what it takes to succeed in fine dining is really hard and failing is like unbearable. Um, and so it's kind of like, you're almost stuck between a rock and a hard place and chefs are just like some of the most hardworking, intelligent people. Um, and so many other roles in the hospitality industry are the same way where it's just like massively, it, it, it's just a whole lot of stress and a whole lot of pressure. Um, and you really need to be high functioning on a lot of levels and it kind of fried me. Um, it was just like, I hadn't really done much of significance out in my life outside of cooking. Um, like every notable achievement was inside of the kitchen. Um, and yeah, I always, I, I kind of started fly fishing six or seven years ago now. And it was just kind of like, I saw this guy practicing in the park and I was like, I want to learn how to do that. He wasn't even casting in the water. He was just on grass. Um, and I, and he was, he had this like beautiful cast and I was just like, that is the coolest thing ever. He was carrying like, I don't know, probably 50 or 60 feet of line, just like ripping this awesome double haul. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. Um, <laughs> And so I went down to the fly shop and I was just like, get me a fly rod. And then he was just like, what kind? And I was like, I don't know anything about fly fishing. And he was just like, cool, here's a nine foot five weight. Like go to the park and get lost. Um, and so, yeah. And then it was just kind of like started to learn more and more about it. Bought a vice, started tying flies, started to learn a little bit about entomology. Um, and I was just like, this is like, this is crazy. This is the coolest thing ever. And then like you catch a fish at the end of it. That's awesome. Um, and living in Seattle at the time, I didn't do, I kind of started with trout streams and then I pretty quickly went to saltwater salmon and steelhead. Um, and then I picked up a two handed fishing rod and like, once you learn how to spay cast, it's really frustrating and really annoying to learn how to do. But once you get the feel for it and you can actually just make those casts, it's just like the coolest way to fish ever. Um, and so I totally started to fall in love with it and just start gravitating more towards fishing um, and away from cooking, you know, instead of cooking on my days off, I'd go fishing on my days off. And then, um, left my job, actually got a job as a butcher. And that's kind of when the pandemic started. So I got laid off from that and I was looking to get out of Seattle anyways. Um, I just couldn't really escape the feeling that I was like just another rat in the race. Um, and so honestly getting laid off in quarantine and the pandemic as terrible as all that was, and as many you know, consequences there are still going on today um, from COVID-19. It gave me just like this perfect opportunity to kind of like switch gears, redirect and go in the direction that I wanted to. Um, so yeah, I just kind of took quarantine, moved in my parents' basement for a few months, um, saved up a little bit of money from boosted up unemployment, found a job in Montana and then moved out here. Um, and when I got out here, I actually, I worked in the kitchen here at this ranch for the first year because I knew I could get that job. Um, I didn't know like anything about guiding. I didn't have a boat. I didn't even know how to row a boat. Um, and so I was like, well, if I can get a job at that ranch, I can transfer over to become a guide and then kind of like go from there. Um, and so that's kind of how that happened was I got a job here at the ranch, worked in the kitchen for a year. Um, after 
a little bit less than a year, I guess, transferred down to the guiding department and just like was totally dunked back into like the deep end of the pool, which just like, you know, kind of got my butt handed to me a little bit <laughs> in the beginning. Um, it's like, it's like one thing when you go fishing and like, you're not, you know, your, your knots aren't the best or you can't tie them very fast or it might take like a couple of tries. Um, but when you're a guide and somebody is paying you, it's like you better tie your knots fast and you better time right the first time. Um, and so I definitely got served a little bit my first few months. Um, kind of had to like learn everything there is, you know, as far as like how to tie a blood knot, how to back the trailer, which of course it's just like, we have these super ghetto boat launches 10 minutes down from the ranch where we do a lot of our floats in spring and summer. And there's just like all of my bosses and all my friends are watching me back of a trailer for the first time ever. It took like 10 minutes to go five feet. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of a, I just got this really great opportunity to just, um, use the skills that I had to get somewhere that I wanted. Um, and then just kind of dunked back into the deep end of the pool again. No, oh, man, that's, that's a really cool story. Um, it's not often you hear someone at age 21 getting burnt out, right, from what they're doing. But, you know, if, if you look at that, you know, starting, you know, probably in the kitchen when you were, I think you said 14. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and then traveling the world and, and working um, in some really high-end uh, restaurants. I mean, that, uh, <clears throat> that's got to be a lot of stress, right, especially at that young of an age um, to – to be on your best all day, every day when you're working. I mean, I mean, no one's perfect, right? And the the culinary world seems like one of those things that you have to be perfect more often than not. Um, you know, just being just being good sometimes isn't enough, <clears throat> right? You have to you, know, you have like everything has to be perfect. And I know that um, as as chefs. Uh, that's obviously something that they strive for is, is for everything to be perfect when it goes out, but to flip that on its head and turn that into being a guide, uh, that's a really cool story, man. And, and kudos to you for, you know, figuring out what it was that you wanted to do or that you like to do and taking what you already knew and flipping that into what you wanted to do, which was, you know, guiding instead of, uh, you know, cooking at this ranch. Um, I mean, that's, that's, it's stories like that, that, that I find super motivating whenever, you know, I'm having a tough day or it's like, man, what do I, you know, what do I want to do? Is this it? And everything like that. And to hear other people's success stories like that is, um, is certainly, um, motivating. Yeah. Thanks. It, I mean, again, it, it's kind of just like this perfect opportunity where I was just like, that is exactly how I can do what I, it is that I'm trying to do because for like months until this job came up, it was just kind of like, how in the world is this going to happen? And I was just like, I have no idea. It was actually, I had a job at a uh, super remote lodge in Alaska lined up and it was like, I had already like signed my contract and everything. And then it was just like a week before I was supposed to get on a plane. It fell through um, just because was, Alaska got hit so hard in so many different ways from just like, uh, federal government support for the airlines and a lot of the Alaskan airlines not being big enough to qualify for support and like all this stuff. It was basically the airline that I was supposed to take to the lodge went out of business and they were like, we can't open this season. Oh, wow. So it, which at the time I was like, Oh my God, that was perfect. Like this is, everything is screwed up now. And then like within two weeks, I kind of had this job materialize and it just, it just all worked out super well for me in my favor. So, yeah, it was just a pretty good stroke of luck, um, which kind of helped tie everything together. Yeah. So now you're in Montana and you're a guy, and I know you spend a lot of time, um, you know, well, let, let's talk about that, the the fishing guide, because that's, I mean, talk to anyone who fly fishes and that's like the dream job, right? Like to be able to spend all day, every day on the water. Um, I have a buddy who... Uh, he's a few years older than me, but his family and my family were, were super tight growing up. And he started guiding um, here in Michigan uh, at probably like 18, maybe 17, 18, like maybe mm -hmm. late in high school. And then like he would do it through college in the summers. He would come and guide. And he's shit. He's 40 now, if not older. And he still does it all the time. Like he just 
he he just cannot get enough of it. He absolutely loves it. And you want to talk about never having to work a day in your life when you get to fish and teach other people how to fish and, you know, just be on the water. I mean, that's that's the way to do it there, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's I love it. Um, I see a lot of, you know, I, I see a lot of guides who get frustrated because it's like you're not a professional angler as a guide. You're more like a professional, like not tire. Um, and like not untangler. It's like, you're like, you don't fish. Um, you almost never fish. It's like maybe a couple of times a guest has handed me a rod and like asked me to cast or like see if I can catch the fish that I'm trying to get them to catch or stuff like that. But that's like, I don't know, forever many like thousands of teach of, of, of casts you have to like correct and talk about. You get to make like one guest. Yeah. Um, and so that's one thing where it's like if you if, if you go into guiding thinking that you're going to be a professional angler, you're probably not going to like it. Um, and a lot of people are always like, you know, they always talk about how much patience guides have because it's like, oh, it's like I can't cast like you and all this stuff. It's like, well, you've never done it before. Um, it's like getting you to catch a fish is my job. That's what I woke up today knowing I was going to do. I'm going to get somebody who is not the best caster to catch a fish. So there's definitely kind of times where it's like, you know, your fourth bird nest and six casts and you're just like, Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, moments like that. I mean, absolutely. It's kind of like I look up and there's, we're in the Creek and there's mountains around and that's my office. So no, I, I, I think it's a great job. I love it. Yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right with the patience thing because I've, I've been on some guided fly trips before. Uh, I actually took, uh, my wife for, what was it? My 30th birthday got me a, uh, surprise, like trip to fly fishing trip to Colorado. Like it was for me and, and two of my friends. So I brought my brother-in-law and my buddy and we like stayed at this dude ranch and we like got a guide through there and they had never fly fished before. And I, I, I had done it enough up to that point where I was, I felt confident in going out. Right. And mm-hmm the you know we show up the first day and and i've only ever fished dry flies that's just that was just what i don't that's all i'd ever fish and we show up and it's like early june so there's still a ton of runoff water's like chocolate milk and uh our guide's like you boys ever fished indicators and we all kind of look at each other like (laughs) and they you know my buddies look at me i'm like nope and uh it was i mean it was a super cool experience so for two days we fished indicators because everything was so washed out and it was awesome, but I don't know how many times, especially my buddies, that he was like getting them untangled and tying knots, and like he never looked like he was bothered the least bit, right? Like he was just he was just this old timer who you know that's he loved he loved to fly fish and he loved like taking other people out fly fishing and like never got frustrated, never had a bad word to say, you know, if fish would get off or we get tangled, it'd be like, hip, hand me the rod, hand me your line, hand me your line, and just a super cool guy. I mean, like a year later I was out there by myself and I wanted to fish and I didn't want to spend, I had like a day to fish. I didn't really want to spend the time of trying to locate a spot and like learn the water. So I was just like, Hey, I'm going to call this guy. So I called him up, uh, you know, before I went out and he was like, yeah, absolutely. Like we'll we'll go to this, uh, this, you know, this public water that I can guide on. Long story short, we get to the end and this is going back to what you talked about with, you maybe get to take one cast. So he was like, I can't guide you in this part of the water. He's like, so after four o'clock when we're done, he's like, we'll go slide over there and and we'll fish over there. He's like, but if anyone asks, like you and I, we're just fishing together. I was like, all right, cool. So we're like essentially sight fishing in this spot. And he knows what to look for. And, and I vaguely do at the time. And he's like, oh, I can see it right there. He's like, just cast in front of this rock. And I'm like, you're telling me to, to cast at a rock in a stream. Like, come on, man. Like, what do you want me to do here? So I throw a couple casts in like, it's not where it's supposed to be. And I was like, here, why don't you take a cast? Literally, he takes one cast, throws it right in front of this, and pulls out like this football-sized rainbow. And he's like, yep, that was, the, <laughs> that was the one I was looking for. I was like, and that's why I'm paying you to take me fishing, Fred. Like, this is, yeah. it's just like, guys like that and, and the stories that they can tell, I mean, it's just, guys are the best, man. They're, I mean, I know there's obviously probably some bad ones out there, but when you find a good one, man, they're, they're just the salt-of-the-earth type people. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's moments like that. It, it's also, um, 
it, it can go the same way for your guests, your clients. It's like sometimes you can have just really awesome people and it's just like the best day ever. Um, and then, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, people have expectations that are a little bit challenging to meet. But yeah, I love, there's a saying, um, if you don't want your guide to catch a fish, don't hand him the rod. And it's like, <laughs> especially because, like, I to bet that that rock the knot when he goes to it is holding a fish and it honestly might be that fish um because fish can be like they can kind of really fall into patterns but it's like you fish the same water you kind of you really get to know like what you're working with and as a guide it's like people are like how do you walk on rock so comfortably it's like because i it's my job and, you know it's like i spend hours a day standing and walking on rocks um you know i had a really funny kind of moment where it was this fish and he was holding like right up underneath a couple of boulders. And so it's kind of like really like swirly bubbly water. Yep. And so we could walk almost right on top of him. And just because he was holding in like this little pocket of calm water surrounded by so much turbulent water, we weren't going to spook it. Cause it's like, he couldn't, he, he was, there was so much going on down there. He couldn't really see us. And so it was like, it was kind of a tricky fish to catch as far as like, you had to put the cast in the right place. You had to make the right mend. But if you got the drift, right we were going to catch that fish and I knew it. Um, and so I had this, I had this, uh, this lady and she had, I forget if she had ever caught a fish before, but she had definitely not been fly fishing too much. And she was, I think she had never caught one before because she was just kind of amazed at everything that was going on in fly fishing. Um, and so we're like right there. And I mean, this fish is like barely over the rod tip. Like it's right there. Um, and we try, I think we put like 20 or 25 casts in there, but I knew we were not going to sweep this fish. And so I was like, we can stand here all morning until we catch this thing. And then after like, I don't know, like a good bit of trying, she kind of turns to me and she goes like, you catch it. And I was like, no, 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 we're not here to watch me fish. Like we're here for you to catch this fish. And she's like, no, like I'm not upset. I just like, I just kind of want to see the fish get caught. And I was like, all right. And we were fishing a hopper dropper rig. It was uh, late July, maybe early August. So we had this like tiny little dropper and then a pretty good sized grasshopper. Um, yeah, it must've been August cause there was a grasshopper on. Um, and anyways, it, it, it's like kind of like riding a bike. Like if you kind of have practice, like making those high stick men's and making those high stick casts, it was like the fish was a layup. Um, and so I put it in there make the men I was talking about. And then sure enough, like first cast, like right off the bat comes up, smacks the hopper, um, set the hook. But the thing that I wasn't expecting was a different fish took the dropper at the same time. Oh, wow. And so she just like handed me this rod said like, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. Just like you catch it. And then just like one cast lifted it up and just like landed two fish on the first cast. The old and double I was up. like, yeah, I was like, I didn't see that one coming. I saw the one coming, but I didn't see the double up. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, and, and, and the thing is she was like so excited. Like she was just like, that was the coolest thing ever. And so, yeah, it, it's definitely moments like that that make every knot or whatever it is. You got to untangle like totally worth it. So let me ask you a question because I've I've asked this to a few people who who do guiding. Um, who are better, I guess, clients, men or women? Well, um, no, no, no. 100%. I, I was, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I really asked that right, but I think you know what I was asking is that when it comes to, and this is what I've been told, is when it comes to you know teaching them, like especially like with indicators, like when to you know when to set the hook, where to cast, how to cast that women far exceed what men can do because men are afraid to look stupid. They, they don't like, they think they know what they're doing. Even if you tell them or the end, they don't know what they're doing. Right. They just, you know, like with indicators, like any time that, that your indicator doesn't, you know, makes a funny move, right? Like set the hook, like it's probably a fish kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you know, I, men won't do it. Right. Cause ah, no, that wasn't a fish. I know what, I know what it would look like. And they just, they, yeah. f- they follow instructions way better than men do, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. They just, they just, they're open to listening more. Um, <laughs> it's like way more often than not, if you take out a couple or like a man and a woman, um, and you kind of have like that one-on-one or one-on-two attention. Um, and so you can actually do some, some really good teaching in the morning or afternoon of fishing. Um, women almost every time come out better anglers or at least having caught more fish just because they listen to their guide. Um, we have a saying here at the ranch and it's, um, teach a woman how to fly fish 
and she'll start to listen to you. Teach a man how to fly fish, and 10 minutes later, he'll act like he invented it. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, it's, it's so stereotypical, but it proves itself to be true time and time again. Um, men just like, I mean, same thing. Like, what, men get lost more because they don't want to ask for directions? They catch less fish because they don't want to listen to their guide. Um, I don't know why, but it's, it's, it's something that proves true more often than not. Not all the time. Um, I'd say like probably our best client at the ranch, he comes, he's been here quite a few times. He brings like a notepad fishing and like, he's going to ask you the difference between your hopper and your dropper length and why it's 20 inches as opposed to 16, like last year. And so like, he is like the best client ever. It's crazy. Um, he literally brings a notebook and like writes down everything, like tippet size, length, size of your flies, everything, color patterns, different watercolors. It's, yeah, it, it, it's a totally, it's just like, wow, you are so into this. Yeah, that's um, someone who wants so to obviously, learn. Obviously, there's exceptions. Yeah, there's obviously exceptions to the rule, but the rule is the rule for a reason. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, somewhere along the line, along the lines, it's been ingrained to us that you can't tell us anything. We know what we're doing regardless of the situation. And more often than not, yeah. that is completely wrong. And we know absolutely nothing about what we're doing. No, I know. So kind of sticking with the outdoors and transitioning a little bit here. Um, Grizzly Fish is a 2% for conservation certified brand. So how was it? Um, Nathan, that you first learned about 2%? Um, I want to say it was actually the Meat Eater podcast. Yeah. I, I want to say, I want to say it was one of the earlier episodes. This is the first time I remember. Um, I want to say it was one of the earlier episodes when Giannis was talking about Hunt to Eat when it was still like just a t-shirt company yeah. and they were doing like orders of like 25 shirts at a time. Um, yeah, I think that he did a quick plug on that podcast and I was kind of like, huh. And so I just kind of looked into it. I mean like 2% like it's a great organization on so many levels because especially now like being in the marketing and running a business kind of game, like it's kind of like you know when you you know when you're shopping for a car and all of a sudden you notice every single car on the road. Oh Versus yeah. Versus if you have a car and you're fine with it, like cars just go by, you don't really pay pay attention to it. Yep. But if you're like, oh, I think I want one of those trucks, it's like not one of those trucks passes within a mile of you and you don't smell it. Um, and so it's it's kind of like now that I actually run a company um, and do marketing, I just like constantly like billboards, like whatever it is, um, advertisements. I'm like, oh, like that was good marketing. And so now it's like kind of find myself you know clicking buying stuff going to shops just because i kind of like the marketing and it got my attention um and two percent does such a good job of that in so many ways like what they stand for obviously is the most important thing um and kind of you know we were talking earlier about developing community um i mean they have developed such a strong community of people who care of like-minded people who care about conservation um, but the way that they market themselves as a brand, the way that 2%, like, like even the way that they kind of connect with this podcast, um, and it's kind of like, all right, like once you're kind of on board, it's like, well, we're not just going to leave you to the wolves. It's like, we want to help boost you. Um, and Jared over at 2% is just like, he's so awesome getting on the phone with him and just talking to him. And they really do. They help you out so much when you're first starting. Um, cause it's not so much like we need you to give this. It's like, this is what we're shooting for and here's how we're going to support you until you can get there. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of like, I, I, I might not even have ever heard of it from that podcast, but I heard it in like in passing and I went to go kind of look up 2% for conservation. Um, and it was like from the moment I actually had the idea and so grizzly fish kind of solidified, it was like two becoming certified was on the docket from day one. Yeah. How long did it take you from, I guess, like the inception of the idea from when you said, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to make or start an apparel brand to when you actually launched and had stuff ready to go for people? Uh, it was about seven months. So yeah. I think the idea kind of 
it was like, all right, this is the idea. This is where I'm going with it. This is the direction that I'm starting in, at least, was uh, November of last year. Um, well, I guess November of, of 2020. Um, yeah. And then yeah. it was it was like, it was literally like three or four days before the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers rendezvous of last year um, that we were like launched, website was up, stuff worked, you could order. Um, so we kind of always say that like we launched at BHA Rendezvous because it was like a matter of a couple of days. Um, so yeah, it was about seven months from inception until launch. Um, yeah, it was kind of like Tom's, Tom's really big, my dad and business partner that is, um, on starting with the ending in mind. And so it was like, like our logo took months and then like where we were going to like what graphic designer we were going to use, which happened before the logo, obviously um, that took a long time. And so it was just like, it was a lot of phone calls, a lot of going really slow, making decisions, coming back to them, making sure we liked them. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of groundwork before, before anything really, really started moving and shaking. Yeah, that's uh, I think I was probably around that seven to eight month time frame. Um, that it took for me to, to get this off the ground. And, you know, I wasn't doing it like full time, um, you know, when I was doing it. But yeah, there's there's so many things that that go into it, right? Like you, you come up with a design and, you know, in, in your case, like I'm sure it's one of those things you're like, you know, you and, and your dad, we both like it. But then like in the back of your mind, you're like, are other people going to like it? I think they're going to like it. Mm-hmm. I hope they like it. Yeah, they're going to like it, right? You're, like, you're almost like talking yourself into what the um you know how it's going to be received by the people that you're trying to uh to sell it to and that for me that's like that's the scary part right is i think this is a real like i would wear this shirt and if i would other people would kind of thing like you have to you almost have to be like a bit narcissistic when you're coming up with something you're like yeah i like this so other people will like this too um and i've certainly been way wrong on some of the the designs and, and shirts that that I've released where I thought they were going to be like home runs and they just, they just don't do as well. Right. So you, you you're always kind of um, tweaking things a little bit and trying to figure out, you know, what your customers, uh, what they really kind of gravitate towards and what they really like. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, that was a big thing kind of, so when we started, you know, thank God that my dad kind of, the, the, the way that my dad became my business partner was I had this idea. He was not a part of it at all. I just had this idea that I was going to do something. And my uncle actually runs a, a small chain of bakeries in North Carolina. Um, and so I was going to call him up just for like some simple advice. And my dad was like, what are you calling Uncle Jack for? Um, and I was like, oh, I'm starting a company. I want some advice. And my dad is actually pretty well versed in kind of a lot of the stuff that it takes to make these things function. Um, like, like just literally the business side of things, just making, you know, we don't have a brick and mortar, but like making sure the roof stays up and the lights stay on yeah. stuff like that. Um, and so he just like, he was like, no, 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 no. You're not calling your uncle Jack. He doesn't know anything about e-commerce. You and I are business partners. And so my dad just like totally like dad moved his way into being my business <laughs> partner, which like, um, for a couple of days, I was like, kind of like, what? Like, he's gonna like clamp my style and like steal my thunder. And I was like, oh, dude, come on. Um, and then 100% is like the best thing that could have happened because if he wasn't here with me, I would be like spinning my wheels at the starting line still, 100%. Um, and so, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? Just how, how your dad became your business partner. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that's pretty much it. He just kind of just like dad moved his way in there. Um that's a great that's a that's yeah, that's, that's of, like a total dad move and I love like I love it. I absolutely love it cuz that's just like I mean that's that's what dad that's what dads do, especially dads that care and dads that like want to be involved. Um that's they just figure out a way to to make themselves a part of it. No, that that's super cool, man. I really like that story. Yeah, and like I had like no choice. Like it was like, it wasn't up to me at all. It wasn't like a question. It wasn't like, call me tomorrow and see what you think. It was like on that phone call. Um, <laughs> he just told me like that, that, that was the way things were now. And I was like, all right. 
So what all are you guys offering uh, at Grizzly Fish? Yeah. Um, so as far as actual goods and products, um, we've got a line of trucker hats, a couple of different styles. We've got like your classic mesh back and then twill back if you like kind of a more full hat. Um, a bunch of different t-shirts, different sweatshirts. We've got drinkware, so like kind of insulated mugs and stuff like that. Um, we've got a small line of beanies, which is kind of just an experimental, like are people going to be into this sort of deal? Um, yeah, and then we've got a gift basket option. So if you want, they were, um, we tried to push them kind of through the holidays, but they work just for any gift. And it'll be a gift basket that's kind of loaded up with a couple of different things. Um, you choose a t-shirt to put in there, and then it's got like some coffee and some gummies and some other stuff like that. Nice. Um, but yeah, so it's, right now it's mostly soft goods. Um, and that's kind of like a question that we're asking ourselves now is it's like, well, do we stick with the soft goods and then try and take grizzly fish into more of like the online, not online, but just like community presence angle, or do we try and add more products into the line and become more of a product based company? Um, because right now, I mean, we're still like baby small, you know, like the whole idea was a thing like 14 months ago. Right. And we've only been open for business, you know, like a little bit over, what's that, seven or eight months. Yeah. Um, so we're still at like the super baby stage and it's just like kind of make a decision and go with it. Um, so yeah, as far as where we are right now, that's kind of what we have as far as actual deliverables, actual products. Um, and then, yeah, as far as kind of what we're doing with the company, it, it, it's, it's really more focused on all of that all of that conservation-focused stuff that we're talking about. Because everybody makes a T-shirt, and it's kind of like, well, why do people want to buy our T-shirts? It's like, well, because they value our company. It's right. supposed to be, we, they value what we do and who we are. Yep. Um, it's kind of the idea. Like, that's, like, supposed to be, like, the real value. Because, you know, there's only so much value in a T-shirt, right? A t everybody's got a drawer full of T-shirts. But it's like, what's the value in this T-shirt? And it's more than just the garment or the print itself. Right. No, you're, <clears throat> you're absolutely right there. So where did the name come from, by the way? Yeah. Um, it's a cool name, I man. I really like it. Yeah. If quite realize how much everything that was ever made in Missoula starts with the word grizzly at the time. Um, and so it's kind of like grizzly this, grizzly that, like grizzly, 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 grizzly. Um, but I was kind of like, I had this idea, but I could not for the life of me come up with a name. Um, and I, I actually... Um, when I registered my car in Montana, I went to the DMV, um, just like getting my license plate and all this stuff. And the lady behind the counter, she looks at me and she was just like, oh, you want to see one of the new license plates? We only got 10. We got them in the mail this morning. Nobody's even gotten one yet. And I was like, yes, I want to, I want to see that new license plate. Um, and I haven't really seen a lot of them running around Montana, but it's basically a grizzly bear standing on the head of a cutthroat. Oh, and that's nice. the license plate. And so I was just kind of like, I'm literally pacing my house, just like, I need to come up with a name before I can start moving with this thing. Um, and I'm just like staring out my window and I looked at my license plate and I was like, Grizzly Bush, there it is. It's amazing. I just like, I just wrote it down just because it was like, literally I needed to put something in the little bar for like, when I was, when I was kind of laying, doing the first step of making the website, it was just like, you need a name for your company. Um, it was not an optional, opting optional step of the uh website registration and so i just like needed to put something in there so i just like wrote grizzly fish um decided i could change it later and then kind of like the more i said it the more i liked it yeah no it's it's certainly when when i hear the name it certainly sounds like an outdoor brand or you know just it's to me it's very synonymous with being outside being you know, in the water, in the backcountry, whatever the case is. Like, I think you, you definitely uh, hit the nail on the head with the name. Thanks. Yeah. So <clears throat> just a few more things here, Nathan, before I let you get out of here. So you kind of touched on it early on in the conversation, but what are some of the organizations um, that you guys are giving back to there with Grizzly Fish? Yeah. So uh, we are, we're state level partners with uh, backcountry hunters and anglers in Montana. Um and apart from that, 2% certified, even though we don't really give anything to 2%, they just kind of certify that we give to other organizations. Yep. Um, and then Montana Council of Trout Unlimited. So we've got a couple of different t-shirts. We've got a native cutthroat trout t-shirt and a wild steelhead t-shirt. And both of those give 3% back to 
Um, well, the, the native cutthroat shirt gives 3% back to the Montana Council of Trout Unlimited. Um, and so a percentage of proceeds from that shirt go directly towards cold water conservation here in Montana. Um, and then the native, or not the native, the wild steelhead shirt, um, same thing. We give 3% directly back to the wild steelhead coalition. Um, yeah. And, and, and those are just kind of like looking around, like immediately, if you could protect in Montana, I'm talking about, if you could protect cutthroat trout, you can't protect cutthroat trout without protecting a whole slew of other, of other animals just by protecting the habitat. Right. Um, so it's kind of like, I mean, in, in quality deer management, you know, people always talk about what's good for the bird is good for the herd. Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything that rhymes that catchy, but <laughs> what's good for cutthroat is good for everything else in the area. Yeah. Um, more often than not. So it, it's just kind of like, it's one of those things where if you can protect what's at the root of a lot of problems, um, just by acting on cutthroat, you'll, you don't have a choice but to help support just a whole bunch of other good causes that are going on here in Montana. And then, um, kind of one of the, uh, not exactly a high point of what's going on as far as wildlife, uh, right now in the country is obviously steelhead, uh, steelhead are just at like, just heart dropping low runs. Um, kind of breaks my heart, but I will not be going out for steelhead this year just cause it's like, they don't need another, another fly in the water swimming in front of their face. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wild steelhead coalition, just super awesome organization. They just do so much cool stuff. They really do a, just like an amazing job at getting people together. And I mean, they're probably responsible for more phone calls to people who are making regulations than any other organization. Cause they just, they just do such a good job at getting in your face and being like, Hey, this is happening. It's messed up. And there are lawmakers who will listen to you call this number, get online, go here, do this. You're going to make a difference. And this is how you're going to do it. Um, and so, I mean, it's just like, you can't support wild steelhead um, enough right now and one of the best ways to do it is to just like go follow out the coalition on instagram and when they come onto your feed pay attention read it if it says to do something or said that there's some a, a link you can click or a phone call you can make do it because it's going to make it is really going to make a difference towards towards those fish and they need it right now yeah yeah very well put so where can people find grizzly fish at yeah um so most of our handles is going to be Grizzly Fish Outdoors. So we're on Instagram at Grizzly Fish Outdoors, grizzlyfishoutdoors.com, and we're also on Facebook at Grizzly Fish Outdoors. Nice. Right on. Well, hey, one more thing here, Nathan. I know that you know being a guide um, throughout the course of the year doesn't leave you necessarily with a lot of free time, uh, but is there any big trips or anything like that that uh, you have planned for this year that you're looking forward to? Um, it's kind of looking like it might not come together the way I wanted it to. Um, but I've got a friend that we were planning on taking off somewhere five to 10 days, um, to go to a Turkey tour. I mean, I just, I love hunting turkeys. They're just so much fun. Um, and so we were going to try and hit, um, haven't really penciled it out quite yet, but the plan was kind of take, yeah, around a week, hopefully a little bit more and then hopefully get it calmed down in, in four or five different States. Um, so we'll see if that comes together in May. It might not. It might just be kind of hunting around here. And then aside from that, you know, nothing too big on the table yet. But definitely in the middle of application season right now, just kind of trying to look at what's going on, where are my points. Um, maybe put some together out of state. Maybe just kind of stick around. I mean, there's no shortage of good hunting in Montana. So yeah, plenty of good stuff to get out and do. Yeah. Well, no, like uh, having your, your options open um, is certainly a good way to go into hunting season. That's for sure. If you can, if you can kind of uh, make a move at a moment's notice to go out of state or you know head across this, your own state to to hunt something, uh, no, that's it, being liquid like that is uh, is always helpful come hunting season. Yeah, it's definitely helpful for kind of when something pops up at the a week beforehand. You're like, oh yeah, I can make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nathan, thank you so much, man. I really enjoyed this, man. It was uh, it was it was cool to hear about you know the origin story of grizzly fish and you know also your background um, and how you kind of got to you know where you're at today. And I uh, look forward to seeing grizzly fish do some big things in the future here. Thanks, Marcus. I appreciate it. All right, man. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. All righty. Bye. bye. 
All right. Well, a big thanks to Nathan for joining me on the podcast today. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Stone Glacier and Wild Rivers Coffee, as well as 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where they're going to post only positive conservation-driven content. So you'll certainly enjoy that uh, in your feed uh, on the daily there. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode with Nathan. Um, if you get a chance, be sure to check out theaverageconservationist.com uh, where you can check out all of the... Uh, podcast episodes as well as pick up some cool apparel as well so as always stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you